With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. The madness will continue. Not only March Madness, we've got Mark Madness here on Fox Sports Radio. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Aaron, it is Mark Madness because Mark Medina will join us in about 20 minutes to talk NBA. And in about an hour and 20 minutes or so, Mark Dominic will join us to talk NFL with all the latest happenings going on in that league. Plus, we've got college hoops going on right now. You and I are going to dive into that. Another great, great day in what is the greatest time of the year. Don't disagree on anything, uh, Dan. It's a really fun time. First of all, I had a ton of fun with you yesterday. We're going to be working together on Sunday. Uh, so really looking forward to that as well. Fun time of year. And the other thing I'll say, too, is, and I know we're, we're going to talk a lot of NFL in these next two hours, is the, the last couple of years, the NFL calendar has now uh, crept up on us in March. Yes. Post-combine, free agency, quarterback movements. So... Um, you know, I remember in our business, it used to be pretty well known after the Super Bowl. Everybody uh, just took two, three, four weeks off and recharged right before March Madness. But there is no time right now. There's a lot going on. Uh, and I'm excited to be here with you till about 5 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> you know, it's funny this week uh, on the Doug Gottlieb show, we did a we do our game time segment. And on Tuesdays, it's rank them. And I asked Doug the question, I believe it was this past week of, what what teams have the most interesting off seasons in the NFL? 
and to, to rank his top three. And he mentioned one that hadn't been talked about a lot. But what do you know in the news right now? And that is the Los Angeles Rams. And this all kind of started yesterday with the conversation that uh, former NFL exec Michael Lombardi, friend of this show, has been on with Doug multiple times. Lombardi was on yesterday with uh, Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show and had these comments about the Rams and quarterback Matthew Stafford. Matt Stafford's fully available. For Matt Stafford, they're trying to, they would love to trade. They could, they can't do it because he's got 57 million guaranteed. When I say guaranteed, that's for skill and injury. The Ram, what are they going to do? They're trying to get out from it. So I don't really want to hear the bull. Oh, we're not trying to trade them. Yes, you are. You've called teams. I know this. And so, like, I don't really care what they say. Like, they all lie about it. And, and wow. Les Snead came out afterwards and, and defended, saying that they are going to keep Matthew Stafford. But what was interesting in that was Lombardi even saying at the beginning, like, they, they really can't trade him because of the ramifications that would it would have on their salary cap. And this is now, when you're talking about a franchise that is a little more than a year removed from winning a Super Bowl, and you look at where they are now, Aaron, this poses the question of, was it worth it? And, and, and I, find it, I, I find it interesting because these moves that the Rams have made, basically unprecedented in the NFL, but the goal of every team in the National Football League at the start of each season is to win a Super Bowl. I, I, I know you want to win multiple Super Bowls, and maybe a team like you know Kansas City has shown that they're built for that. But of just winning a Super Bowl, uh, that being the ultimate goal, I would say that the Los Angeles Rams have absolutely reached their goal. So anything that comes after this point in terms of where the Rams are, I think even, even if they fall off the face of the earth for the, for the next four seasons, I think it was absolutely worth it for the L.A. Rams. It was absolutely worth it, um, <laughs> but it, it, you know it comes with the caveat, right? And, and I understand we don't live in a world where um, you know we don't live in a world of hypotheticals. Like they did win a championship, but it comes with the caveat that they were awfully close in multiple playoff games during that run of not winning the championship. I mean, most notably the dropped interception by San Francisco. Uh, Cooper Cup had to convert a fourth down, uh, uh, you know, on uh, you know on the final drive of the Super Bowl. And so, listen, they're always going to have that Vince Lombardi trophy. Uh, this isn't the NCAA. They can't come back and take the championship from you after the fact, even though uh, there'd be no reason to. But it is, it's always been a fascinating conversation to me of, Everything was so geared towards that one season. You add Odell, you add Von Miller, you know that it's probably Andrew Whitworth's last year. And they were so close to it not happening. They were so close to that interception being caught in that San Francisco game essentially being over. Cooper Cup tackled in the backfield on that final play. Remember, they were down to Tampa late in that game as well. So it was worth it. It is worth it. And again, Sean McVay will always be a Super Bowl champion. Matthew Stafford will always be a Super Bowl quarterback. But man, we were so close to it not happening. And how interesting would these conversations be right now if it didn't work out the way that it did when they won that title? You know, this and, and, and sometimes I think that we we fall victim to this. And, you know, and in that the, the Rams did have close calls. That Buccaneers game was the one where they blew the lead, where they were yep. up 27-3, and then the Rams couldn't hold on to the football. Cooper Cup was fumbling. Cam Akers was fumbling and allowed Tampa to get back in it before they ended up moving on. But it's 
you know, as, as a Seahawks fan, I'll, I'll say this. We look so much at the one-yard, uh, the, the interception at the one-yard line and how close they were to uh, back-to-back Super Bowls. Sure. And truly, they were. Like, I mean, like, when you are a yard away of, of going back-to-back, uh, that's as close as, as you can get. But when you really look at the Seahawks window and you look at what they did after that, they fell off the next year. I think there was a complete Super Bowl hangover, but they never reached another conference championship game. They had made it to the divisional playoff uh, round a couple of times, but weren't real threats. Carolina took it to them you know, before a late rally. The Falcons you know, destroyed them in a divisional playoff game. So they never got back to that point of the Super Bowl. But what is not talked about, Aaron, is the Russell Wilson rookie season where they actually scored late against Atlanta in the divisional playoff and allowed Matt Ryan to complete a couple of passes, similar to what Patrick Mahomes did against the Bills a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Not not in under 13 seconds, but there was, you know, I think under a minute to go in the game. Anyway, Atlanta goes on, kicks the field goal, moves on, plays the 49ers in the uh, NFC Championship game, and the Niners end up uh, going to the Super Bowl that year. That was part of the Seahawks window. We didn't realize it at the time. And we look at that as like the opportunity for them to like build up. That's part of the window. The Chiefs losing to the Patriots uh, on the offsides call and, you know, and what would have been the, the turnover and in that overtime game, that's part of the Chiefs window. And I look at the Rams and I look at all of what they did dating back to the Super Bowl when they uh, you know, went to against the Patriots and Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. That's part of their window, even though that there are new pieces. And that's why I say, like, I, I think it was worth it. And I think that there was enough evidence there for Les Need and Sean McVay to proceed how they did to show, you know what, we are going to do the blank them picks. We are going to sign guys. We are going to trade guys and trade away first round picks because it got us this far. And you know what? It actually continued. Now maybe you have to pay, you know, the piper at the back end of it. But I, I think what happened now is they felt cornered in terms of what do you do with the trade of Stafford? Because they gave Stafford an extension about a year ago. And now it's that extension that's coming back to bite him. And you obviously were going to give him an extension after winning that Super Bowl, right? And for giving everything that you gave up in terms of, in terms of trade compensation, that's part of the package as well. So, like, in, in a way of, like, we're going to rip on Les Snead for the contract that, that Matthew Stafford has and how he's not going to be able to maybe maneuver from it. But, but this window for the Rams has been open for a while, and I think that like, we need to at least give less need credit for having that window, even though a lot of those pieces, you know, aren't the same as they were four years ago. Yeah, and and I don't, you know, I don't think it is totally inconceivable that they can pseudo rebuild this thing on the fly. Now they have big holes to fill, and and obviously, again, we're we're working under the assumption that Matt Stafford is going to be there. But, you know, I mean, there's there's been the Jalen Ramsey talks uh, of potentially trading him over the last couple weeks. And like there, it, it can change the other way really quickly. Um, and so, yeah, no, no. I, first of all, I agree with you. I think the window, the window, the best year was clearly the 2021 season. Um, and that mm-hmm. was really like the year where, where it kind of had to come together because of, again, older players, contract stuff. You add a couple pieces during the season. But but there was a 
there were two or three years where they were really kind of building that prior, obviously most notably making a Super Bowl before. Um, but it felt like that was the year that it had to get done. And we did see kind of on the inverse how quickly things could change this this past season with a couple key injuries and, and how quickly things could fall apart. So, uh, you know, I, I know you kind of opened the segment by talking about most interesting off seasons. The Rams are right up there because – Usually, you know, whether it's a Super Bowl champ or a Super Bowl runner up, I mean, we always have the the Super Bowl hangover team. Usually the loser doesn't get back and often doesn't even have success the following year, unlike Cincinnati this year. Um, But but it's never like there's always like a path to get right back to where they were. And I do think for the Rams, like like, yes, I understand Stafford was hurt this year and Cup was hurt this year and Aaron Donald, all that stuff. I don't necessarily think, though, that there is this very linear to if we could just keep XYZ healthy, uh, we're going to be significantly better this year. So it's going to be just a fascinating story to watch because usually it feels like that even if you had playoff success and then you regress the next year, it's going to be easy to bounce back. I don't think it's quite as easy for this Rams team going into the 2023 season. Uh, and I'll also say this, and I do want to ask John Ramos, who is a, a lifelong Rams fan, on on if it was worth it. And I'll do that in a second. But I, I also I think it's interesting. They were competitive after the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots. You know, they didn't make yeah. the playoffs, but I think they were nine and seven. Then the next year it was the golf, uh, you know, John Wolford drama where Goff ended up being benched and then Wolford had the concussion against uh, Seattle in the wild card game, a game they won and then went to Green Bay and Aaron Donald had, you know, injured ribs and wasn't himself. But that maybe could have been a, you know, a a win for them or, you know, a game that was winnable for them if Aaron Donald is 100 percent. So they've been able to, you know, keep they they didn't fall off the face of the map like the Eagles did kind of after Super Bowl 52 and then bounce back. Like it's been different pieces, different different players, um, but they've kept that consistency. And, and, you know, the other thing, Aaron, that I think plays in and then I want to get John's thoughts after your thoughts, Aaron. I think this whole race for L.A. thing played into mm-hmm. it. And I think that the, that's that's why the Rams were so eager. Let's bring in big names. Let's bring in stars. Let's really try to grab L.A. again, even though they had the head start against the Chargers. And the one thing that you and I know from living in Los Angeles, and I think outsiders know it even more so, L.A. loves a winner. So you can't fault Stan Kroenke or Les Snead and Sean McVay for being like, we win a Super Bowl early in our time back in L.A. This you know, city really could be ours. And unfortunately, it didn't necessarily turn out as well as they would have hoped. I don't think there was, I don't think there was this huge groundswell support of, you know, people all of a sudden just not caring about football and now becoming Rams fan, fans in LA. But I think that played a part into it as well. I agree. And do, first of all, I'm, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Do, do you think, like, I, I think you kind of just hit on it towards the end there, but but I don't think that that actually, ha- and that was a conversation, to be clear, like, you know, hey, you know, uh, L.A. doesn't have a team, and I, I, I'm sure you talked about it with Doug, and I know that I've talked about it on all my platforms, is like, you know, L.A. is a transient town, everybody has a team, it's not like everybody mm-hmm. was, you know, wandering around aimlessly on Sundays without anything to do because there was no NFL team here, so I, I don't know that even though they won that Super Bowl that they captured anything in no. L.A. other than what they already had. Uh, it doesn't change the conversation of what, whether it was worth it or not. You and I obviously agree on that one. But I think that's kind of an, an interesting separate conversation is if this goes sideways in a hurry, 
what does that mean about the fan base and everything that they built to get that Super Bowl? Uh, I think that's an interesting conversation as well. John Ramos, get him on Twitter at JSRamos06. He is a lifelong Rams fan, even when they left for St. Louis and came back to Southern California. If the next you know, three years, John, are like what the Rams had this year, was it still worth it to win Super Bowl 56? Yes. Yes, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the goal for every team is to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why why that would be, be a thought pattern. Another thing is I love... And no offense to you, Aaron. Sorry, John, we're out of time. Oh, <laughs> you have to crush me. That was good. Uh, I appreciate well, you stepping well, in. I love, I, I love the, if we could write a book, we could write a book on every single play of every run of every professional team's uh, going to a Super Bowl, a World Series championship, where there was some play in there that could have cost that team the championship. We could run down a list, but, but it's always the Rams. Like, if they just well, would have caught that interception, they wouldn't have meant, yeah, okay, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't catch the interception. Three, and you know, Read so, me the book that has three fourth-quarter comebacks, though, in the playoffs. There's not as many of those. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that there's a lot, there's every, a lot of teams out there that have right. – there's always going to be a little luck, right, in any sports run to any championship so that was the luck there for the Rams. Um, also, had the Rams not left, I know you guys are talking about the Rams in L.A. and how they haven't captured the heart of L.A. And, and I agree with Aaron about transient stuff. And it's hard now because they were gone for so many years. And a lot of people found new teams during that time. But back when I was young and the Rams were here, the biggest, I think had it been today, I think the Rams would have probably built a stadium back then in like 1979 and done it back then. I don't think football in the thought pattern here was as big, and that's why they moved to Anaheim, and that's why they lost the LA part sure. of it. And so, and then they ended up moving all together. So, I think if you if that would have been today, I do think that they would have built a stadium like they have SoFi now and stayed in Los Angeles, and it would have been different today. But you're right; it's going to take a long time. It's going to take like my son Jonah's three. I think it's going to take to his age level before you find. Uh, a hardbed Rams fans again. It, it like takes I a am. long time, yeah. and 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 I I don't blame like you think like this. The city loves stars, right? I mean, it's Hollywood, and and they go and bring in names, and and the fact that OBJ worked was like almost an added bonus, you know, like where like like so you can't really fault the Rams for the decisions that they made, but absolutely worth it. Ask the Browns, ask the Lions, ask ask the Buffalo Bills right now. If it would be worth it, if they could just have the one Super Bowl win and then, you know, have to deal with three or four years, they would take it in a heartbeat. Uh, Thank you very much, John Ramos. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb here on Fox Sports Radio. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. 
someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph! Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've got hoops here, there, and everywhere, but we won't have a college basketball legend for the rest of this season, welcome in as we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, interesting happenings in the Big Ten tournament. As you heard uh, Nick Cope saying, Ohio State continuing to try to keep Michigan State at bay in their Big Ten quarterfinal. 
Buckeyes trying to win five games in five days to make it to the NCAA tournament. Action in the SEC and so much more. And, of course, a week from now, Aaron, we will be salivating over first-round Friday games mm. in the NCAA tournament. It's quickly, uh, quickly fast uh, approaching. I was just thinking about it even earlier this week on Tuesday. I'm like, geez, there's going to be first four games going on right now when I was sitting at home Tuesday night. Uh, the, the tournament is absolutely great. We love championship week, um, but every day it just gets closer and closer to the real deal. It's so funny you say that because, you know, I, I do a Friday radio hit every week in Arkansas, and obviously they were preseason top 10 team. It's been a little bit of a disappointing year, but they kind of signed off to, uh, today with the interview that I do, and it is a Fox Sports Radio affiliate, by the way, just so, just so we're clear. But uh, I bring it up because, you know, they said, oh, you know, Torres, next week when we talk to you, we're going to have a bracket to discuss. And, and I said, I was like, Arkansas they might have already played their game by then, you know, so uh, it's <laughs> yes. just, you know, and I was thinking about even how quickly, you know, you go from a team that, you know, like a Tennessee last year or two years ago with Illinois, if you remember, won the Big Ten tournament and there's so much excitement. And then within a game or two, uh, by within a week, their season is done. It's just it, it's crazy. It's what makes March Madness so special. But but you you build up over a five six month period, really a year period, as players kind of get to campus and 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 you know work out during the summer, and it can just end in a snap. It's just a, a crazy sport, but a fun sport, and it's why it captures America's uh, attention this time of year. You know, there are a lot of great things about the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, both you and I are against expansion in expanding the tournament. I mean, it's expanded enough, 68. By the way, 68 is just difficult to deal with at times. We figured out a way when it comes to bracket contests to be able to be like, all right, just skip that game uh, or, or take, you know, whatever 12 seed it's going to be. We figured out ways around it. But the tournament is great. But there was an opportunity, I think, for the tournament to be even better in 2023. And it is not going to happen and, and and I don't want to say we can blame one guy for it, but one guy is the reason for it. Dick Vitale had an opportunity to broadcast NCAA tournament games for CBS this year. The offer was extended to him by CBS through ESPN, who signed off on allowing Vital to do an NCAA tournament game. And obviously, uh, Diggy V's been going through, you know, some health problems as of late, but still was able to return uh, to be able to, you know, serve as an analyst on a bunch of ESPN broadcasts this year. But ESPN gave the green light for Dick Vital to broadcast games during the NCAA tournament on CBS. Probably what? You know, maybe maybe do half of the games, you know, like on one day. Maybe, you know, maybe just do, you know, the four games on a Friday and then the two on Sunday and that, that be it. Maybe just do half, you know, as I said, maybe just do two games on a Friday and do one of the games on Sunday. But figure out a way for Dick Vitale to become a part of March Madness. And Dickie V said, thanks, but no thanks saying that it meant more to him to only have ESPN on his resume um, as his employer. Uh, through his, his broadcasting history, he turned down an opportunity to serve as an analyst for the NCAA tournament for CBS or TNT, TBS, you know, whatever channel the games were going to be on. Um, I feel like we've missed out, Aaron Torres. I wish he, I wish he was not as 
as loyal to his employer. And and I don't even know if it's loyalty uh, that that it, 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 you know is what he is doing, but I think that we are missing out not having Dick Vitale at least be able to do a game or so in the NCAA tournament. Well, I think it is loyalty, and part of what he said was, if this is an exact quote from him in an article uh, from Sports Illustrated, if you went through what I went through and you saw how ESPN treated me, they never cut my salary, always encouraged me, I wanted to be loyal to them. You know, I think it takes on more than a, I signed a contract with them, and um, I think it very much speaks to... You know, they, they, they fought with me alongside a battle for my life. And, and, and all I can say, I am, as a consumer of the sport, and as somebody who's always liked Dick Vitale, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in the next few minutes, but there has been this, like, there was, like, a probably seven, eight-year period where it's like, oh, he's too much. and da-da. But he's 83 years old. Um, I was actually at the game in Las Vegas. It was his first game back last year after he had missed a ton of time going through cancer. Uh, And they showed him on the big screen and he was crying on the broadcast. Um, And he's been, you know, much like, listen, in in a much probably friendlier way, the way that Jim Boeheim has been a staple of college basketball for as long as most of us has followed the sport for the same way that – Coach K was, Roy Williams was, Rick Pitino has kind of been a face associated with Dick Vitale is college basketball and has been for essentially as long as all of us have been watching it. And so I'm disappointed that we never get to see him in a tournament. Um, And I think the the reason why is is kind of a cool story. But yeah, I'm with you. I can't pretend that I'm not disappointed because I think he, more than any face, maybe in the history of broadcasting, is a name that you associate with college basketball, uh, and it's a bummer that we'll never get to see him call an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, I I think associated his name with college hoops, like outside of Coach K, and truly mean this, you you could take Bayheim, you could take Roy Williams, but, you know, over the last 30 years of being associated with college basketball, his name is, is, is right up there. Um, I, I don't think it's above Coach K, but I don't think it's too many spots below it. And and this is this is where like the the mix comes in is I understand the loyalty of it, but yeah. when your employer says, you know, go ahead if this is something that you want to do, like there's, you know, maybe he didn't feel equipped. Maybe he was just like, you know, I, I don't know who who he was working with. I just think that fans would like to see it or viewers would like to see it. And it, and it goes, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to bring and let me John jump Ramos. In on one thing. Yeah. Let me bring it, jump in on one thing. I think it's the rare thing where other broadcasters would sacrifice as well. Like if it was, if it's, you know, usually if there's somebody coming for your job, you're naturally going to be defensive. But if you're fill in the blank guy and they say, Hey, look, you know, Dick's getting older. He's the face of this thing. He's never done a tournament. We're only going to bring him on for one weekend. And, you know, we're sorry. But, but you know, I, I think most color commentators would say, bring Dick Vitale in. I got another 30 years doing this. He doesn't. So I, I can't speak for every single color commentator, but I think most guys would be totally okay with, okay, we're doing a Sweet 16 and I got to give up one of these two games or I've called the Elite Eight for the last 10 years or whatever whatever it would be. I think there are guys that would sacrifice, women that would sacrifice their spot because they know how much he means to the sport, Dan. 
100 percent. And I want to bring in John Ramos, Ryan Bershinger and Nick Cope, um, our whole crew on this, because I think that there are interesting points of view with all three guys coming from a bit uh, different background. And I'm just going to start, you know, this, John, this reminds me of Vin Scully in the World Series. And, and to Aaron's point, Joe Buck had said, I'll gladly step aside if Vin Scully wants to, you know, broadcast a World Series game or call a World Series game. But Scully never took an opportunity to do so. Would you want to see Dick Vitale? Would you want to see Vin Scully do those one-offs? Um, you know, ob- obviously Vin Scully has passed, but there was a you know a long time where that sort of you know push to have him do that was there. Do you want to see these greats do these games if they are able to, John? You know, when I I heard about Vin Scully and and I was excited by it, and then I really realize what his point was, which was, I've done it. I don't want to take the uh, game away from myself. Like meaning like I'm going to be doing the game. So people kind of focus on me and not what's mm-hmm. going on in the game. So I think Vin did a, a good job of just like, he's kind of like Johnny Carson, right? They stepped away and they stepped away. They were done. And so I appreciated that. I'd like to see Dick Vitale do it. But but like Aaron said, if he, if he feels like he gave... Uh, the network gave him 100% of their backing, and he feels like maybe that's a slap in their face. Even though, didn't, Dan, didn't you say that ESPN said it was okay yeah, from them? Yeah. The, yeah. I think if the they said out. it's okay, I, I think that it's it's okay he, for him to do it. But, you know, I'm not going to fault him for not doing it. I'd love to hear him. He's, he's definitely an icon of college basketball, especially since we lost Billy Packer, right, earlier yeah. in the year. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Go the, ahead, Aaron. The other thing I would say, too, is, and this was a little bit of a disappointing part of this, and, and I do understand it, but I guess according to the article that came out that quoted Dick Vitale directly, uh, he had been approached maybe 20 years ago, and the bosses at his current employer at the time kind of said, you're associated with us. We can't let you do that. So there was a moment in time where I think there was interest from CBS, and he may have been interested um, and the ironic part to the point that Ramos just brought up is the current boss said, yeah, go for it, man. You know, we, America wants that. Um, so that that's the other disappointing part is I think it sounds like there was a moment in time where he was maybe receptive to, to doing it. Um, and the bosses at the time weren't going to let him. What, what ESPN didn't want was they didn't want their number one guy because he was the face of their broadcast. And heck, we just talked about on what a legend he is. They did not want him to be on the competitor, didn't want their number one guy. They let other guys do it. And what is so amazing in all of this, they let Jay Billis do it for a while. That Billis would do tournament games for the NCAA tournament before Billis moved up to the number one analyst chair that was occupied by Dick Vitale for so long. Now Billis doesn't do the CBS games because he's the number one analyst for ESPN. Dick Vitale isn't number one anymore, so this allows, you know, almost in a, in a bit of a way, not only just for his tenure, but kind of allows, you know, even just the the opening of that door where you could be like, well, why'd you let Billis do it years ago if you're not going to let me do it? You know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. The thing about Vin Scully that I would say is and 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 I'm curious on Nick's thoughts on this because Nick does play by plays, the voice of the UCLA baseball, uh, does a lot of stuff for uh, ESPN Plus and, and and Fox Sports as well. Nick, is it fair to say that there would maybe be more on the shoulders of the play by play guy as opposed to the analyst? Like I would think, like you know, for Vince Scully to do his work, it's a little bit more heavy lifting than an analyst who maybe just responds to what he's seeing. Is that fair? Yeah, you're you're directing traffic. You're steering the ship. And on a TV broadcast, 
the analyst does get more freedom because you don't need to describe every little thing. You're there to provide captions. But as a play-by-play guy, you are steering the ship. You're trying to set up Dick Vitale or, or whoever uh, to, to give their expertise on various things that are happening. Yeah, that's that that would be the one thing that just like where, where Vital would know when he could drop a, you know, dipsy do dunkaroo, you know, because it's after a dunk. There wouldn't you know like yeah. you're not you're not having to do all the homework of all the players and trying to figure out, you know, all right, who is playing for Furman, you know, who is playing for, <laughs> you know, Colgate. Uh, teams that I like in the NCAA tournament, by the way. But uh you know, like you, you don't have you don't have to worry as much about that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I one thing that would be interesting too is you'd have him working with people he hasn't worked with before and I wonder just from from Dick Vitale's standpoint if he's at peace with his career given all he's been through if he's just like hey I I've had a great career I'm going to continue to see it out I, I like my role and and I'm happy here sure well they're doing they're like there's games in Orlando so, like, mm-hmm. where he lives in Tampa, like, travel wouldn't be – it's not like we want you to do the Thursday-Saturday games, you know, in Sacramento. Like, there wouldn't be – like, you wouldn't have to fly all the way across the country. And, like, they could, like, we're going to need you to go to Spokane. You available? <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii, welcome. Uh, good morning, Boise. Um, it's, <laughs> Boise is a great city, I've heard. I've never been, but they, they've hosted NCAA tournament games. I just – I find I, – I feel like I, I – no one's going to criticize Dick Vitale for saying no. And Aaron, the point of Vitale becoming so much of a name that, I mean, he was Dookie V for a while. And that's what really annoyed fans of, of, you know, non Duke teams is you just thought that he played favorites to some of the blue bloods in the top teams. And I, I think maybe, maybe the, maybe the style kind of wore on a little, I think it was that way with Berman, like Berman sure. style, was was very very popular. Then kind of wore on people, and then when all of a sudden maybe you didn't see him as much. Now you're like, man, we need Berman back. We need more. You know, we, you know, we need more of the Raiders, the G Men. We need more of the nicknames. And I think Dick Vitale is the same way. Now at 83 again, it may just be a lot. I just think that us, the viewer and the basketball fans, are missing out. Plus, I would think it would be cool if you were a player and being like, yeah, Dick Vitale called my NCAA tournament game. Like, I think there would be some neatness, some coolness in that. But um, it's his decision. You know, who are we to say? But I just kind of wish that he would have been uh, more open to it so we could just get a little bit more Dickie V, especially in the NCAA tournament, which we haven't seen in 30 years because ESPN hasn't, you know, had the uh, 30-plus years because they haven't had the uh, package. So. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there's an old saying in life, sometimes you got to take one for the team. I wish Dickie V had taken one for the team here because it, it's something we all would have liked to see. And, and, you know, I think we all understand he's not going to be around. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I hope he's around a lot longer, but he probably well, he won't said, be. He, he said his resume, and I'm like, why do you have a resume at 83? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was just on Monster.com uploading thing. You know, it's like, oh, I think you're good, man. I think your resume oh, kind of speaks for itself at this point. Indeed. Let's see what Indeed's got to say. Uh, yes. He's Aaron Torres. Thank you very much, John Nick. Uh, we appreciate the input. Uh, he's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer sitting in for Doug Gottlieb today. Yeah, I think us uh, us Hoop fans missed out on, on an opportunity of what could be fun in the NCAA tournament. Get Aaron on Twitter, 
at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, it's Ben, host of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. It would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is the Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mark. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Dina's here to talk NBA, our FSR NBA insider, obviously writer for NBA.com. Find him on Twitter at Marchi underscore Medina. Um, is there a sigh of relief, Mark, in Phoenix that Katie's ankle injury is only two to three weeks? Or what's the feeling in the Valley of the Sun uh, after the injury earlier this week? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that internally the Suns are kind of looking at it through a pragmatic lens of, hey, like, no use complaining about it. Let's lean on the supporting cast we have, and also hold out hope that he can come back before the regular season ends, and most importantly, for the playoffs. And I think from that standpoint, it can be realistic. Kevin Durant's not a guy that needs an adjustment of integrating with new teammates. He's plug-and-play. And as a superstar player, as much as he's a predominant scorer, he doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot. He doesn't need a lot of shots. He's a, a very efficient player. But, you know, as an outside observer, I have a lot of concerns because this isn't the first injury that he's had. I mean, it took him a while for him to just join the team for three games because of his previous injuries. And basically, this has been a challenge for Kevin Durant ever since he injured his Achilles in 2019, just that ability to stay healthy on a consistent basis. You also look at the fact that, you know, the Suns trade a lot to get Kevin Durant. I mean, they gave up some really key pieces with Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, you know, some first-round picks. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a trade that I think the Suns needed to make because the reality is they were just barely above the fifth seed. They weren't going to go anywhere far, so they needed to make that move. But without Kevin Durant, they don't have the kind of depth to really hold them over. I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, I think, are serviceable and obviously winning players in the short term. But there's questions about, you know, their guys' durability as well. So, yeah, I think that the season's not over. Their championship uh, aspirations aren't immediately expired. But, yeah, I have a lot of question marks about, you know, not just when Kevin Durant will come back, but if he and the other main guys can avoid injuries moving forward. So, Mark, that was going to kind of be my follow-up, that last part that you just said, is that something Dan and I talked about yesterday um, when the, the news that he was going to be out an extended period of time first happened was what this frankly reminds me of is a little bit of the situation in Brooklyn where Harden, Durant, and Kyrie are the greatest team ever built on paper and then you never really get to see them together. And when you get to see them together, and Kyrie even said this on his way out, is like, I, I wish we had more time together. Now, a lot of that was Kyrie self-inflicted, all that. I get it. But I, I do worry. Like, we all kind of, when Kevin Durant went there, we said, you know, this is a team that maybe is the favorite in the West, should be favored, whatever. But this feels like deja vu all over again, where they're going to be essentially entering the playoffs with no significant time together. Is that fair to say? I think that there's definitely some uh, similar elements to Brooklyn as far as the availability standpoint. I think to Phoenix's credit, 
I like the, the makeup of their team better. Sure. I mean, look, Chris Paul is a better leader than Kyrie Irving in terms of holding players accountable, holding himself accountable. You know, you, you, you draw the parallels of, you know, Devin Booker versus James Harden. I mean, they're both very offensive-minded players, but I like Devin Booker's competitive competitiveness better. And then when you add Ben Simmons to anyone on the Suns roster, like, uh, I, I don't think Simmons has the right me- mental makeup to really be competing. So I think the Suns' competitive advantage is they have winning-type players. They have that competitiveness and feistiness. But the problem is their availability has come down to health. And even if they're, you know, quote, unquote, doing the right things, and I think that from a chemistry standpoint, clearly in these three games with Kevin Durant, it's been seamless that, you know, that idea of not knowing who's going to be available could rear its ugly head. And I think last season they were able to, you know, set a franchise record and have most regular season wins, even despite overlapping injuries because they had – next man up mentality and they had some good depth but this season it's a lot it's been a lot more challenging when you look at you know Chris Paul missing the first part of the season then Devin Booker like they haven't been able to absorb those kind of injuries that they were able to last season so yeah never count them out but you know given the nature of how the Western Conference is with where it's the Denver Nuggets the Sacramento Kings and everyone else they they have a pretty significant challenge on their hands. Mark Medina joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer sitting in for Doug today. I've tried to figure out how to phrase this question in the best way. Um, Still haven't figured it out, Mark, but I'm going to just ask it this way. Will LeBron have to adjust in his comeback with the Lakers? Yeah, um, it's interesting. I, I, I don't think when you look at his history of coming back from injuries with the Lakers that there's much of a feeling out process or him, you know, struggling to find his foot. Did he, to his credit, um, when he's been on the floor, he's been LeBron James the prime mm-hmm. years. I think the question is how long is he going to be out and can he avoid future injuries? The other question is the Lakers' entire season has felt like this, you know, merry-go-round of, you know, they solve one problem and then another problem emerges. You know, at, at first it was LeBron is playing out of his mind, but, you know, Russell Westbrook and the rest of the roster isn't playing well. Then Anthony Davis gets hurt and LeBron's still playing out of his mind, but it doesn't matter. And then, you know, they trade Russ, they have a better roster that looks like they're heading the right direction. Then LeBron gets hurt. So, you know, I think moving forward, Anthony Davis has shown a lot of promising signs of being that number one guy, being very aggressive, statistically being very dominant. You know, D'Angelo Russell is expected to come back and play tonight against Toronto, but it just feels like that it's inevitable that there's going to be something that comes up. So, you know, LeBron's evaluation process isn't for another two weeks, uh, but there is an expectation that he will play the you know the remaining you know nine regular season games but that's also an unknown um but i I trust that once he's on the floor he'll be fine but you can't bet on hey ad avoids a future injury or you know d'angelo gets hurt or you know some of their supporting cast as much as it's a net upgrade over what they had when russell westbrook was on the team that they don't go through growing pain so yeah they're heading the right direction two-game winning streak their ninth place so as of now they would be in a planned spot but all these things in the Western Conference standings are, are very turbulent, so we'll just have to stay tuned. Very random question for me, Mark, because um, I was thinking about this. All this college basketball is going on right now. 
With the NBA, I'm not going to ask you draft stuff, but I'm sort of asking you draft stuff. It feels like the day of star player gets hot in NCAA tournament and his draft stock shoots through the roof. Like, I remember that used to be a thing, right? Like, a guy could go from nobody knows him to a first rounder or a first rounder to a lottery pick or whatever. It feels like the process from the NBA has just changed so much where players are being drafted so young. It's so much on ability. Do you get the sense, like, as you talk to executives this time of year, I don't want to say that they're less invested in March college basketball, but it just feels like it used to be, man, like, you know, a kid would go on a run and you'd see him shoot up a draft board. It doesn't feel like it happens as much anymore, Mark. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I admittedly, you know, because of the full NBA schedule, like, you know, haven't followed college hoops as much as I obviously would in the NBA. But I know that philosophically, whether it was my time covering the Lakers or covering the Warriors and just the league at large, you know, most front offices that I've talked to, they downplay the idea that, hey, uh, a player's, you know, really good performance during NCAA tournament or a really bad performance will uh, significantly influence who they pick in the draft. Ultimately, they try their best to look at the whole body of work, and also they they really take the interview process seriously with wanting to get to know, you know, what they're about, what their growth mindset is, who are, you know, their circle of influences, and whether that's a good or a bad thing. So of all the things that, you know, I think influence uh, a team as far as their draft order, NCAA tournament performances, good or bad, aren't at the top of the list. It's more of the other things I mentioned. But, you know, obviously it never hurts. And I think when you are in a gray area where maybe you're projected to be a second-round pick or a late first-round pick, that can be, you know, kind of the X factor to move yourself up a little bit. But at the end of the day, even before the tournament starts, the teams know who are the top prospects, and that usually stays the same even when the tournament ends. He's Mark Medina, NBA writer for NBA.com and our FSR NBA insider. Hit him up on Twitter at Mark G underscore Medina. Mark, we appreciate it. Enjoy the contest tonight. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys as always. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is Finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... 
Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.